crazy in Waco on Saturday night. Oklahoma overcoming a 25-point deficit down 28-3 to the Baylor Bears to record the largest come-from-behind victory in Oklahoma football history. Think about that for just a second. Welcome, everybody, to the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld, uh, flying solo for one more episode. Uh, I'll be back with Rich DeCray later on this week as we preview TCU. But right now, it's just me. Um, here, here's where I need you to be honest with yourself. Where were you on, on Saturday night? Did you give up in the first quarter? Did you give up at halftime? Or did you stay the course? Now, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And you got to be honest with yourself on this. Turning the TV to another show or another game and then peeking in on the score does not count as staying the course. So if any point in this game you turned it off, if any point in this game you flipped over to another channel to watch something else, and then you saw, wait a minute, Oklahoma's Oklahoma had a pretty good third quarter. Shut out the Bears in the third quarter. Wait, wait, they're within a touchdown. Oklahoma has tied the game. You know, most people probably who tuned out tuned back in when Oklahoma was only down by one score. But my question is this. Where were you? Which category do you fall in? You jumped out in the first quarter. You jumped out at halftime. Or you stayed the course. And and here, I mean, look, I'm I'm not judging, okay? If if you if you bailed, you bailed. Thirty, I mean, twenty-eight to three at one point, thirty-one to ten at the half. I, I really, I don't, I don't think this is the same category of bailing as what we talked about against uh, at Iowa State. Your, your team is getting slaughtered on national television, and frustration and disappointment is bubbling up through your body. Um, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cast judgment if you bail. But what about Jalen Hurts? Where did you stand on Jalen Hurts? Because there was a significant um, number of people in the second quarter saying it's Spencer Rattler time. It's Spencer Rattler time. And here's what you got to understand about this situation. And this is even before we get into the, the complete breakdown of the game. But, but this is an offense that, and, and granted, they're, they're 10 weeks into the season now, but Four new starters on the offensive line, and we're still seeing rotation in that line. We're we're still not seeing a solid five guys throughout four quarters of football. Trey Sermon's gone. CeeDee Lamb's gone. Grant Calcaterra's gone. And these freshman receivers, they stepped up and they made some really big plays. And you can't help but be excited. You can't help but be enthusiastic and, and know that the future's good at the receiving position. But there's no other quarterback on that field for either team who's going to lead a come-from-behind win of that magnitude, not named Jalen Hurts. That's not a position to put a freshman in. You don't try, you're, you don't try to get something going in the first half by switching to quarterbacks. You, you come up with a game plan to, to come back and win the game. And putting in Spencer Rattler, all that would have been was a white flag of surrender. I, I think Spencer Rattler has a great future at the University of Oklahoma. I think his future is, is extremely bright. 
But putting him in, in that situation, there's not going to be a come-from-behind win. It's just not going to happen. And it's probably going to be worse than a 28-point loss, to be honest with you. And, and yeah, I mean, look, you, you got the issues, okay? You got the turnovers, and Jalen Hurts has addressed those. I've been harping on turnovers all season long. And people aren't happy about sometimes me or you or somebody else being critical about Jalen Hurts and the turnovers. But if Jalen Hurts is critical of him, I don't see why anybody else can't be critical of him. But at the end of the day, Oklahoma comes from behind down, down 31 to 10 at the half, 20 to three, uh, about 11 minutes into the second quarter, ultimately winning 34 to 31. Nobody saw Oklahoma's defense shutting out Baylor in the second half, which really is one of the reasons why it seems so unlikely that this team would come from behind and win the game. But that's exactly what happened. And in doing so, it paved the way for Oklahoma's offense to score 24 unanswered over the third and the fourth quarters. But here, here's my take on this, and we're going to jump into the offense right now. The offense helped the defense. Lincoln Riley, we, we saw his creativity on display full force because you, you saw an evolution of this offense under Lincoln Riley to really something that we haven't seen in a while. You saw Oklahoma go from the spread formation kind of fun and gun, for lack of a better phrase, just airing the ball, going vertical, going horizontal to set up vertical. You saw them go from that offense to really a smash mouth run team with Jalen Hurts being your punishing running back. That you you have to give Lincoln Riley credit for that. He saw how limited he was. And I really think what was overlooked a lot in the preparation of this game, you know, it comes out just a couple of hours before kickoff that CeeDee Lamb was not going to be available. And uh, that's a shocking thing because, you know, you, you, you've you got the the story on game day. He's the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. I mean, you have all these things going on with CeeDee Lamb in the news and and no one knew that there was an issue there until about three hours before kickoff. And so I think all of the attention that went to C.D. Lamb really overshadowed the fact that this is this was Oklahoma's first game without Trey Sermon. And and you're down weapons. I mean, you're you're down significantly. And Lincoln Riley tries tried to do what Lincoln Riley does. But I, this team wasn't prepared for that. And one thing that we we learned early, early, early in this game is that's a lot easier to defend Oklahoma when CeeDee Lamb is not in the game as opposed to when CeeDee Lamb is in the game. And I, I give Baylor credit for coming after Jalen Hurts. I, I give them just say, hey, we're, we're going to blitz until you give us something different to do. And that's why we saw Oklahoma struggle so much after that opening drive. And even in the opening drive, there were struggles, and Oklahoma settled for a field goal. But, you, I mean, Baylor, for from, from the time Oklahoma kicked that field goal in their opening possession to the time they scored the touchdown just before half, Baylor was doing whatever they wanted offensively and defensively. 
And a lot of that was set up because they were building so much momentum, so much energy in that stadium. It was every, every just ounce of it was on the Baylor side because they were just like, hey, we're coming at Jalen Hurts. Got inexperienced receivers. You got a, an offensive line that doesn't have a lot of time playing together. We're coming at you. And you got to give us a reason to stop doing that. And and they absolutely did that later into the second quarter, into the third and fourth quarters, by turning this into a running situation. A lot of zone reads, a lot of a lot of um, cold quarterback draws, and then a lot of uh, pass run options. And and in Oklahoma, the the number of plays that they were able to run in that third quarter alone, just you 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 could see the gas coming out of Baylor, even so much that when Jalen Hurts fumbled going into the end zone, you just kind of felt it was okay. You just, you, you, you couldn't help but think we're in a good spot here because all of that momentum, all of that energy that had been in the stands and had been on the Baylor sidelines, it was, it was being worn down. Then what you saw Lincoln Riley do with his offense is just beat Baylor into submission. And Jalen Hurts was the key cog in that wheel. 25 rushing attempts was a career high for Jalen Hurts. In the second half alone, Jalen Hurts was 217 yards in the air, three touchdowns. It, it was it was a, a gutsy performance, the, the gutsiest performance you may see all season long. And, and I mean, look, you got to talk about the interception, uh, the turnovers. You got to talk about putting the ball on the ground. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, look, nobody likes it. Right. As Joe fan, we don't like it as a head coach and offensive coordinator. Lincoln Riley doesn't like it. And as the guy who's pulling the trigger and really making those mistakes, Jalen Hurts doesn't like it. But 10 games into the season, are we not to the point where we need to ask ourselves? Maybe that's is that not who Jalen Hurts is? He's the guy that's going to be electrifying. I mean, we need to stop saying Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield in the conversation with Jalen Hurts. Although his fumble, you know, what was it, around the 40-yard line or whatever, where he just kind of jops and puts the ball on the ground to to try to catch his balance, that, that looked a whole lot like Kyler Murray. But are we just going to, I mean, are we ready to say that's just who Jalen Hurts is. He, he's going to make big plays. He's going to be a strong leader. He's going to be that kind of that inspiring force. Think about, think about the touchdown pass from Hurts to Austin Stogner that made it 34 to 17. That was a big time play. That was huge. I mean, you've got the touchdown that makes the, the touchdown that followed, um, to, to Theo Weiss, that makes it, you know, what, 34-24, puts you down by 10. But the one before that, that touchdown was 100% on Jalen Hurts. 31-24, by the way. Sorry, I, I messed it up. But the, the touchdown I put the touchdown I put him within, within a score, amazing play by Theo Weiss. Again, you, future's bright for freshman receivers. Going to be sophomores next year. Future's bright for this – I mean, and it gets futures bright with Spencer Rattler, okay? But I want to go back to the first Austin Stogner touchdown. 
And then look at the second Austin Stogner touchdown. Those are plays that Jalen Hurts made. 27 rushing attempts, 114 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. So he's going to be that guy who makes, he's your team right now. He literally is your offense. When you're trying, when you're trying to figure out who's the offensive player of the game, who's the defensive player of the game, sometimes that becomes difficult to do because there's so many guys who had so many big plays. But the next closest guy is Kennedy Brooks. 18 carries, 93 yards. You got to love how he was used. And you got to love that his rushing attempts are, are north of 10. But there wasn't a player on the field for Oklahoma's offense that did more and looked better than Jalen Hurts. And that is turnovers included. And I, I heard people talking about, well, man, we're probably going to play him again in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. I wouldn't fret that right now. I wouldn't fret that at all. And here's why. Oklahoma just took everything Baylor had. Baylor, Baylor threw everything that they're capable of doing at Oklahoma. Baylor had Oklahoma down by 25 points, a very limited Oklahoma team, a team without CeeDee Lamb, a team without Trey Sermon, a team without Grant Calcaterra. And Oklahoma won. If you're Baylor, you can't be super confident right now in facing Oklahoma again, especially as most people expect, especially if CeeDee Lane's back on the field. And we know Trey Sermon's not going to be back on the field this season. Maybe Grant Calcaterra. I, I don't know. But this offense, they hummed. They made adjustments. And the end result, I mean, with, with all the frustration in the first half, the end result was good. 525 total yards of offense, 297 through the air, 228 on the ground. If you listened Thursday when I did the preview, I said Oklahoma's got to run. I really, I mean, I think, I think, I'm pretty sure I said that Kennedy Brooks needed to be north of 100 yards, and he didn't get there. But combined with Jalen Hurts, you get 228 rushing yards, 4.4 yards per carry as a team. You take away those three turnovers, and and this is a double-digit win for Oklahoma. Especially the way the defense played in the second half. Absolutely, we got to spend more time talking about the defense. But Oklahoma's coming back home. Going to play TCU in a night game. Oklahoma family, Gaylord family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. It's a game that's sold out, but that doesn't mean tickets aren't available. If you want to be there, you can be there. And here's the reason why. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section of the row of your choice. In all, you can do that in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. 
If you go to the App Store or the Google Play or download the and download the Vivid Seats app, fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. If you download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Now, here's the great, here's the great thing. Here's what we're doing for you. When it comes time to purchase your tickets, Oklahoma TCU, Saturday night in Norman, 7 o'clock kickoff, new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. Enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you can receive a discount of up to $100 on your purchase. So let's talk about uh, this this defensive performance for the University of Oklahoma Saturday night in Waco, Texas. I want to I want to throw some stats out of here that you you may or may not be aware. Every Big 12 football team has played seven conference games. This comes from Mike Houck, who's a sports information director for Oklahoma football. Oklahoma obviously leads the Big 12 in total offense, 540.1 yards per game. But did you know who leads the Big 12 in total defense? I'll give you a second to think about it. Here we go. Ready? Think about it. Okay. I don't know what your answer is. I don't know if it's right or wrong because this is a podcast and you hear me talk. I don't hear you. 348 yards per game is what the Oklahoma defense is giving up right now. 348 yards per game. That puts Oklahoma as the top total defense in the Big 12. Oklahoma also leads in passing defense at 206 yards per game. They're third in the Big 12 in rushing defense, 142 yards per game. What that means is Oklahoma has the top offense and the top defense in the Big 12. But based off of the last few weeks, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't think that, seeing how they – Crumbled against Kansas State, crumbled in the second half against Iowa State, and got off to a horrific start against Baylor. Here's what you got to keep in mind. Oklahoma's defense is young. Seven of Oklahoma's top eight tacklers are freshmen or sophomores. Seven of the eight, excuse me, seven of the team's top eight tacklers, freshmen or sophomores. What you saw on Saturday night was you saw this team really grow up a little bit right there in front of your eyes. That was a, that was a raucous crowd. That was a hostile environment and Oklahoma was taking it on the chin. We, we saw that. We saw that in Manhattan a few weeks ago against Kansas State. We saw it in Norman last week when the just kind of the stadium deflated and Iowa State began to make its run and have its way. And we saw Baylor jump out and do their thing Saturday night. And for the first time this season, For the very first time, we saw Oklahoma's defense respond. We saw Oklahoma's defense respond to getting just punched right in the face, punched right in the gut. Oklahoma's inexperience, both sides of the ball, both sides of the ball, the inexperience showed early. But particularly on defense. Your offense is turning the ball over. Your backs are against the wall. You're you're in a bad spot. We saw this defense just get steamrolled. 
But much like what Lincoln Riley did offensively, Alex Grinch made up some major defensive changes. And they really did a great job at making Charlie Brewer uncomfortable in the second half. They, they basically took away the run from him. And they baited him into some throws that were really not good throws. Ultimately, they got the the turnover, the interception that sealed the deal. And how about this? For as much as we have, I'm trying to think of a of a of a of a good adjective here. I'm trying to think of something that's not going to just be be a, a terrible description. But we, I mean, we have trashed and dogged this defense. And I, I think rightfully so for the better part of three seasons now. But for as much criticism that this defense has drawn, much of it justified, the last two games, Iowa State and Norman, Baylor on the road, the last two games, the victory has been secured by the defense getting an, an interception. It was Parnell Motley in the end zone. On the two-point conversion against Iowa State, it was Nick Bonito um, with getting the interception. And kudos to Nick on that because you know, if, if I, I don't know if you even pay attention or if you know, if you remember the play before, he drops a sure interception that would have that would have just sealed the deal. And instead of getting down on himself, instead of beating himself up over it, the very next play, he makes an even more difficult play on the ball to get the interception. And seal the deal. But the, the, the point is, it, it looked like the route was surely on at 31 to 10. And and what I said here, what I said when the changes was made at the defensive coordinator position was that you need a new voice. But I, I mean, I said that you got to have a turnover on personnel. I don't know that I believe that anymore. I did believe that in the first half Saturday night. But Alex Grinch has these guys. They're listening to his voice. And help me think about the last time Oklahoma's defense was dominated so severely as what you saw in the first 30 minutes of the game Saturday night that they didn't just quit. Instead of quitting, this defense rose to the occasion. They stepped up. They became more physical. They became more poised. They became more focused. Baylor ended the game with just 307 total yards of offense. But Charlie Brewer looked like he was on pace for a career night. He ended with less than 200 passing yards on 18 of 29. Just barely cracked 100 yards rushing as a team, 113. I, again, I, I don't. I want. I hate to keep harping on this, but if you take away the two first half turnovers, take away the fumble, take away the interception, I think we're sitting here today talking about the complete game this defense played. But turnovers play a big role, obviously. Think, think about the momentum swings with the turnovers. You've got Jalen Hurts with a fumble that puts Oklahoma really behind the eight ball. And then Oklahoma looks like they're driving. You got Jalen Hurts with the interception. And this game looks like it's over at that point. Oklahoma's able to score. 
It's 31 to 10 at the half. You score to start the third quarter. Suddenly it's 31 to 17. Things are getting interesting. And then what happens? Baylor fumbles. And from that point forward, Oklahoma's defense believed in themselves and they dominated. Now, Oklahoma didn't get any points off of that fumble because Jalen Hurts ultimately fumbled into the end zone on that drive. But the, the tone changed. Everything changed. And I I, I mean, again, we're, we're talking about who's going to be your defensive player of the of the game for Oklahoma. Man, I, I think I got to go with Ronnie Perkins. Now, I know Kenneth Murray, eight total tackles, led the team in tackles. Parnell Motley, five tackles, had a decent game. Benito with, with the interception. But Ronnie Perkins, man, four tackles. All four of them were for loss, and three of them were sacks. Ronnie Perkins was a man on Saturday night. And so he he gets my my nod for defensive player of the game. But let don't make any mistake about this. This defense runs on emotion. We talked about their youth. We talked about how young they are. This defense, I think they are talented. I think they're gifted, but they definitely are running on emotion. He had the emotion of the first half where Oklahoma is turning the ball over and Baylor, I mean, Charlie Brewer and Baylor is just doing whatever they want. Charlie Brewer looked more like Jalen Hurts in the first half than Jalen Hurts looked like Jalen Hurts. But everything changed. Everything changed when that first fumble in the third quarter by Baylor, the first turnover of the game, ends Oklahoma's drought at five games. You you saw everything change with that team. Now you saw Oklahoma's offense dominate the third quarter, but when they when the defense got on the field, they absolutely had their way with the Baylor offense. Baylor's offense was confused, was out of even the, look at the final play. By the way, if you haven't heard Toby Rowland's call of that that interception from Nick Benito, if you haven't heard Toby Rowland's call of that, or better yet, seen the video of it, you definitely need to. It's on Twitter. You, you need to go find it and, and look it up. Best in the business, Toby Rowland. But the, the final play that, that cinched the game for Oklahoma, Benito's interception. This is how out of, out of whack the Baylor offense is right now. That, that ball is almost a fumble because the ball hits Charlie Brewer right in the chest. He's not ready for the snap. That's how much Oklahoma's defense changed this game. Pitched a second half shutout. I would have bet you $1,000 that that wouldn't have happened, which I'm glad we didn't bet because I don't really have $1,000 to give you. My bookie had Oklahoma as a 10.5 point favorite. If you listen Thursday night, I told you I thought Oklahoma was going to win. I had the Sooners winning by seven. They won by three. But regardless, hope you listen to me if you're into that kind of thing. Now, Oklahoma getting ready to play TCU. The lines are not out yet. But still, don't hesitate to look at my look at mybookie.ag. They've got NFL lines, NBA lines. There's hockey. There's everything out there. And of course, in addition to traditional spreads and totals, quarters and halves and periods and all that stuff, 
player props are there, including points, yards, or goals. You got the PGA, you got NASCAR, you got soccer, you got more. Now is the best time to get in on all the action. If you sign up at mybookie.ag and you use the promo code OVERTIME, they will match your first deposit. Again, that's the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, well, we've talked about a few of the big plays. We, we talked about um, the turnovers, we both for Oklahoma and for Baylor. Um, we... I mean, I, I don't want to beat that dead horse, but there's a couple more plays that I, I think that that just need to be mentioned. Kind of those momentum swing moments in the game. And one of those happened in the third quarter with Oklahoma driving. The, you know, they're down 31 to 10. They get the ball and and there's a penalty on Creed Humphrey. Now, Oklahoma's at the – the play is 33 at the Baylor 21. Jalen Hurts throws an incomplete pass to to Jaden Hazelwood, but there's a holding play, excuse me, a holding penalty on Creed Humphrey. Now, Matt Rule has two options here. He can decline the penalty. It's going to be fourth and three, in which case Oklahoma maybe kicks a field goal here. Maybe. Make it 31 to 13 just to kind of get some momentum going. But what Matt Rule did was he accepted the penalty and pushed him back to the 31-yard line. Suddenly, you're in two-down territory if you're Oklahoma. 31-yard line, you know, that's, that's a 48-yard that's a field goal. I, I look, I, look you, you can't help but be impressed with Oklahoma's kicker. But it cha- I, I believe that changed things. I think looking at fourth and three from the 21, that's kind of no man's land. I mean, you, you could you could go anywhere with it. You could kick a field goal. You can go for it. But I think moving the ball back to the 31 and making it third down all over again, basically giving Oklahoma two more chances at it. There's no, I mean, there's no, there's no decision there if you're Lincoln Riley. You you it's third down. It's not fourth down anymore. It's third down. So you run a play. And they got they got Charleston Ramble coming underneath on a crossing route, 28 yards. Suddenly, it's first and goal from the three, and Oklahoma's in business. I think if I was Matt Rule and I revisited that decision, I'm probably kicking myself just a little bit, wondering what if, what if I decline that penalty and make it fourth and three from the 21? Do they kick a field goal? Personally, I don't think Lincoln Riley does at that point. I think he wants points bigger than three on the board. But at least it's more of a possibility than what happened on third and 13. Field goals out of the equation 100% there on third down. Also, um, a huge play for Oklahoma came on the final drive when Creed Humphrey, when you think about it, I mean, these two plays both involve Creed Humphrey, one on the holding call and then also on this bad snap. You probably remember seeing it. And Jalen Hurts, the, we, we started this podcast talking about the, the the potential of putting in Spencer Rattler. This is why Jalen Hurts was the right man in the right position for this moment. 
That ball goes 20 yards behind Jalen Hurts, who's already in the shotgun formation. And instead of freaking out and falling on the ball, which, I'm sorry, this is on the for the field goal to go ahead. I think I said that. I don't remember if I said what drive it was or not. But instead of falling on the ball and freaking out and most likely keeping this as a tied football game, Jalen Hurts is able to calmly, with composure, pick up the ball, knowing he's out of the pocket, throw it beyond the line of scrimmage, out of bounds, just to get to the next down. Just to get there. I don't know that that's a play Spencer Rattler's ready to make. But it definitely was a huge play in terms of Oklahoma completing the largest comeback in school history. Let's talk through the Big 12. Um, I, I, I don't know where the college football playoff committee is going to have Oklahoma on Tuesday night. I, I don't know. I, look, the, the Big 12, it's been this way all season long. The only game that really mattered to me, I, I mean, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Oklahoma State just suddenly looking like they've got some things going, and which is crazy without Tylen Wallace. Now, I, I get it that it was Kansas. I, I do get that. But this was a 31 to nothing game going into the fourth quarter. Kansas basically gets two fourth quarter garbage time touchdowns. So Oklahoma State, you got them ranked number 22 on Saturday. They're moving up in the polls. Baylor drops to Oklahoma. They're going to move down in the polls. Texas, who, in my opinion, shouldn't have been ranked anyway. They're number 19. They, they lost at Iowa State. That's, that's, if you listen to us, we, we predicted that to happen. 23-21, they go down to the Cyclones on a, on a walk-off field goal after outscoring Iowa State 14 and nothing in the fourth quarter. Texas back out of the top 25. TCU and Texas Tech, I mean, if you like bad football, that was a fun game, 33-31. TCU, Oklahoma's next opponent, one game away from being bowl eligible right now. They've got, they've got a lot to play for when they come to Norman. By the way, Jet Duffy still playing quarterback for Texas Tech. Just makes you wonder about Alan Bowman. A kid with a lot of potential, just hasn't been... The, the health issues have been there. And that reminds me, I'm going to come back to health issues. I'm writing myself a note here. I think you know where I'm going with that. Here's the game that hurt in the Big 12. West Virginia beat Kansas State. If you're Oklahoma, that's the score you don't want to see. Mountaineers 24, Kansas State 20. West Virginia with a 10 to nothing fourth quarter advantage. Down 14 to 20 going into the final 15 minutes of the game. West Virginia outscores Kansas State by 10 to make it 24-20. Kansas State, they were number 24. Now they're going to be dropping out of the, out of the top 25. That hurts Oklahoma. We're going to kind of come back to that here in just a minute. I want to talk about health. I was talking about Alan Bowman. You hate to see it. I mean, if you're a person with a soul, you hate to see Tua go down with the type of injury that he went down with. And and you really hope that it's something that he can rehab and overcome. And whether he NFL is his next stop or he comes back to Alabama, which I think is probably his best option. 
you just, you hate to see that happen. And I'm not trying to rub salt on the wound here, but I'm wondering at what point, at what point does, does Tua get the injury prone tag connected to him? You know, Rodney Anderson was a fantastic running back for the University of Oklahoma. Fantastic running back. But he was injury prone. So much so that when he decided he was leaving after last season, everyone agreed he needed to do that. Cash in now while you can because the next injury could be career ending. Now Tua has had the ankle injury last year, the ankle injury this year, and now this hip injury. You can't help but think how much money that's costing him with the NFL. Which makes sense in Matt's world that he would come back to college for one more season and try to prove to people that he's not injury prone. But you absolutely hate to see it. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I know I'm, I'm off the rails a little bit. I'm off the rails a little bit, but you hate to see this. Um, I, I am not. I am not on board with people saying, well, that just drops Alabama out. They should not be in top five anymore. They need to drop down to top 10, to you know, 10 or lower because they have no chance without Tua, which I agree with that. But you know what? They're on the outside looking in as it is. Let them lose the Iron Bowl. Let them lose something before you drop them. I, I, I don't – I just don't see – I know if I'm an Oklahoma fan and Jalen Hurts goes out, the, real, the realist in me is going to say – Spencer Rattler's future is bright in Norman, but he's not ready at this point. And I think Alabama fans are that way. But I would hate for someone just to discount my team off of one player. So I don't think, just in my opinion, I don't think we're ready to do that with Alabama. I don't think we should do that with Alabama. Which means it's probably exactly what's going to happen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's close it out. Let's talk about um, next weekend. Real fast, quick preview. We'll be uh, online uh, Thursday to totally give you the breakdown of TCU at Oklahoma. 7 o'clock kickoff on Fox if you're not going to be in the stadium to watch it. A couple of key games for Oklahoma next week. Oklahoma State travels to Morgantown. This is the kind of game that has gotten Oklahoma State tripped up in the past. If you look at Look at Lubbock, Texas. Look look at Texas Tech. Bef- I mean, this is post-Allen Bowman injury. This is the Jet Duffy era, and Oklahoma State loses at Texas Tech. Cowboys sitting at 7-3 and three on the season, 4-3 and three on the Big 12. They, they need a lot of help to make it to the Big 12 championship game. I don't think there's enough time there left for them, but Oklahoma – a win over an eight and three nationally ranked Oklahoma State team goes a lot further than a win over an unranked seven and four Oklahoma State team. 
So as you're eyeing the end of the season, going into the Big 12 championship, you if you're an Oklahoma fan, you put a little bit of bias aside and cheer for Oklahoma State to beat West Virginia next week in Morgantown. Here's the other big game for Oklahoma next week. That's Texas at Baylor. And I, I've been saying this for a while. I mean, I think it's third week in a row I've been saying this, is that uh, cheer against Texas. I mean, you're already an Oklahoma fan, so cheer against Texas. Enjoy the best of both worlds. I, I think, I mean, look, Texas is going to drop out of the top 20, uh, top 25 with the college football poll is released on Tuesday. Baylor's still going to be in there, and they're going to be somewhere in, somewhere in the top 15, in my opinion. You want them to stay there. I think Oklahoma's best bet, if you want the Sooners in the college football playoff, is a one-loss Baylor team in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. Other games, Kansas, Kansas at Iowa State and Kansas State at Texas Tech. No bearing, in my opinion, whatsoever at this point on Oklahoma. That's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'm not for sure where you're catching us. It may be at heartland-sports.com, uh, maybe on Apple Podcasts, maybe on um, on uh, iHeartRadio. I don't know where you get this, but I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Also available on email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Obviously, you can always drop a comment at heartlandsports.com dash com harlandsports.com uh, where we run all of our podcasts all of our previews all of our articles all of our opinions are all posted there have a fantastic week everybody but we're soon